are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lido Dayan. And in this interview, I got a very special guy, like I always have in my podcast, of course. So today's, in today's podcast, uh, I have uh, Ed Milet. And Ed is an entrepreneur, he is a business coach, uh, motivational speaker, and a very, very smart and humble guy. And I really mean humble, because most of us, especially me, when I grew up, uh, all the time I heard, ah, oh, all those successful people, people that have money are uh, so egoistic and you can't talk with them. And the truth is, they're not. Most of the people that really achieve high in their life always remember where they started. And Ed is no different. This guy is truly humble. And really, you can see it by his tone of voice and how he speaks that he truly, truly cares about others. And this interview was really amazing. Uh, you can all learn a lot from Ed. And um, the reason I'm always trying to get to people like Ed is to get you to understand that all of us have a journey. Maybe uh, different for each individual, but all of us start somewhere. And the quality of our life is in direct proportion of the question we ask ourselves daily, the decision that we make daily, and all of those decisions and the question we ask ourselves and the surrounding we surround ourselves with, the people we surround ourselves with, eventually will become our reality. So if there is one thing that you can take from this is to actually step up, step up and really commit to yourself that you are going to raise the bar, that you are not going to be a passive listener, that you are going to be active, means that you are going to take anything, even one nugget, one simple nugget that you can take from this interview or any other interview that I had and apply it into your life. Because remember, it's not about what you know, it's about what you actually do with what you know. So the more you actually do and apply things daily in your life, eventually it's going to become better. But if you are going to just be a passive listener and you're not going to actually apply those things that you learn or listen, then eventually nothing will ever change. So I highly, highly recommend you to stay focused and really, really immerse yourself in each and every interview that I have here so you can actually learn and not just learn passively, but actually take something and apply it into your life. So without further ado, let's begin the interview. So they go win for their family. 
welcome Ed Milet to the Mind Body Podcast. It's really honor to have you on my podcast, so I'm really thrilled to have you here. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure, brother. Thank you for having me. I've followed you for a little while now, and I'm very, very impressed with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So for the guys and girls that uh, might don't know who you are, would you mind uh, introduce yourself in a brief? Sure. Uh, I'm an average guy. <laughs> uh, very average person, but I, uh, in terms of career, I, um, well, I guess why so I'm an agency chairman of a company called World Financial Group, which is one of the larger, largest financial services companies in the world. And then I've been public speaking now for, you know, 25 years. I've spoken in front of millions of people and some audiences upwards of 40, 50,000 people at a time. And so that kind of transitioned into life coaching and business strategy And that just blossomed recently in the last year into sort of doing a lot of that online. And so I think Entrepreneur Magazine just said, I'm, I'm, it's sort of surprising to me, but I think I'm the fastest growing business person in the history of social media. I started in May of 2017, so it's about nine months later, and I've had 3 million people join my website, 780,000 on Twitter, 560,000 people on Instagram, and I get really high engagement on there too. You know, a lot of people listen to my stuff. So my podcast is now in the top 15 in the world on the business podcast as well. And uh, my YouTube channel is growing too. So I'm just having a blast helping people. I spent the first 40 years of my life building my wealth, kind of building my legacy, learning things, making mistakes. And I want to spend the second 45 years of my life now teaching people those lessons. So I'm enjoying it. That's absolutely amazing, man. And The, I believe like we, we live today in a world that is everything is in social media but I believe uh, every person gotta do his journey in the real world first because most of us are so addicted to oh my god I need more followers on Instagram, Facebook and at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what matters is what we do in the real world and the more we do in the real world the, then we can actually make a difference Amen, yeah, I'll tell you something one One of the reasons I got into this space and the because I was a very private person. So I was blessed enough that, you know, some wealth came my way. And even though I did a lot of public speaking, I stayed off of social media and just kind of built my life. The main reason is I just wanted privacy. And I was having a conversation with Tony Robbins last April. And he basically said, you know what? You're really, uh, you're not telling the truth. You're telling people you want to help millions of people, but you're not willing to get uncomfortable and lose your privacy. Mm -hmm. Why don't you man up? literally what he said to me mm -hmm. and get on social media and so I did it sort of reluctantly but I'll tell you what I'm glad I did here's the reason why there's a lot of fakes if I can just be blunt there's very few people in the social media space that teach things that have actually won that actually have businesses that actually have produced results it's a lot of guys mainly men who have built reputations based on just telling people how to do things they've never done themselves And so I wanted to get into space because I have a real business. I've built real well. You know, I've made real mistakes. And so I think I have a real uh, value to bring because of the real world, just as you just said. So I agree with you. Yeah, I think so. It's like first you got to do your research uh, in whatever industry you are at the real world. And only then go and teach others. It's like I can't teach somebody else unless I first do it right so if I don't know something I will say okay I don't know this and uh, this is what most of us think we, we need to know it all it's okay not to know it all because 
it's part of being humans you you actually understand the more you grow and the more you experience in life and uh, this is the the real way to do it and so right man. you're never going to know it all and it's funny that opinion that false belief is what holds most people back from ever even taking any action in the first place that in other words successful people typically have a lower threshold of knowledge necessity to act and people that fail have a very high threshold of what they think they have to know before they can win right and so I'm kind of dumb enough in some level I'm not saying I have a very average IQ in fact I, I literally just took another IQ test about a month ago and I scored average again and I was like shit like test me again so three weeks later they tested me again same average score I was like 123 or something right mm-hmm. and so I'm not that bright, and so one of the, that's an advantage. I don't think I have to know everything to succeed or to take action. I'm willing to sort of throw myself into the fray, and I have faith that I can adapt and uh, learn as I go. I don't need to know everything from the beginning. I believe it's like, uh, from all the people I interview, it's like the self-belief, that inner certainty that when you step and do something that's uh, out of your comfort or you don't really know what's the outcome you're going to get, if you have the outcome inside of you and you're really certain about it, then eventually it's going to become a reality. And this is the number one nominator that I see along a lot of successful people, that no matter what is going outside, if you are certain that you can, let's say, influence another person, then eventually you will. So information is good, but once you have that inner certainty about doing something, then nothing can stop you. This people yeah, like Tony I, I, Robbins I like that I, I see. Should, I feel like I should be interviewing you, because I agree. Uh, I always say that the more certain person will always influence the less certain person. Mm-hmm. Certainty is a huge thing, right? And mm-hmm. What you're saying really is, and I just want to say this to your listeners too, really successful people are self-confident people, right? And self-confidence is very simple. Self-confidence, everyone goes, I'd like to be more confident. It's a very simple formula. Self-confidence is by having a track record of keeping the promises you make to yourself. Isn't that ironic? So mm-hmm. you build self-confidence through self-trust. If I meet someone with a lot of confidence like you, I know I'm talking to a man who has consistently built the habit of keeping promises he makes to himself, whether that's the time he gets up in the morning, how many reps he does in the gym, what he eats, the amount of phone calls he makes, his hustle in the business, if you have the one he prays every day, it doesn't matter. If you keep promises you make to yourself, you end up building a reputation with yourself of self-trust, which is confidence, then you have certainty. When I meet people that don't have confidence, I know this person has not kept promises they make to themselves. And so when you lack self-confidence and you don't have a good reputation with yourself, guess what you become obsessed with? Mm-hmm. You become obsessed with your reputation with other people. And that's where how many likes you get, how many followers you have. What do people think about what I'm doing? Why are people putting me down? Why do I have haters? And they have this influence over you because you don't have a good reputation with yourself. You're obsessed with what your reputation is with everybody else. Self-confident people are unconcerned with what other people think about them to a large extent because they're so sure about what they think about themselves because they have this track record. It's, a, it's something I'm trying to teach the world so people can be happier and more confident. I, I agree and also I have a little bit of disagree here because 
I believe uh, once you understand your emotional habits, your triad, you, you, are, you probably know about this, which is your physiology, your focus, and the language that you use, you can create certainty in each and every single moment, no matter what. Because let's say I had a bad morning, and instead of uh, waking up at 6, I woke up at 12. So that can make me like, oh my God, I'm frustrated. Why did I woke up so late? But I can create that certainty in a, in a, in a moment, right? Once I change my physiology, what I'm focusing on and the language I'm saying to myself. So yeah, instead... There's an overriding factor. So listen, there's a difference between certainty and confidence. Those are different things. You mm -hmm. can have a ton of certainty. For example, I can be certain I'm going to lose. Okay? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I have confidence. I'm just certain of a result, okay? So, but what overrides the triad is your identity. Mm -hmm. Your identity is the driving force in your life, not how you job, not the words you say to yourself. You can move your body all you want. You can say all the things you want to in, in to your mind. And if you have an identity that is lacking self-confidence, that overrides your ability to move your body and do a peak state move. Believe me, I know exactly. You and I are taught by the same guy from Tony. And I will tell you that that is true. The triad is a fact. You can put yourself in a certain state Mm -hmm. But the results you produce consistently are linked to your identity, not the state you're in. The state you're in magnifies your identity. So if I have like a level eight self-confidence, right? That's my peak level. You are right. I can get to that level, my capacity, my best, right? My best by getting the triad. The question is, how do you elevate your best? How do you elevate your capacity? And that's your confidence level. So the ultimate winner is totally self-confident and performs at a peak state, right? So put it to you this way. You're a super fit guy, right? Mm -hmm. okay. So let's just say I'm making it up. Let's say you could squat 500 pounds, okay? If you did a triad, you got totally certain, you, did, you moved your body, you said the right things, you got the right focus, you got in the zone, right? You could go squat those 500 pounds. That's your max out effort, right? And so the triad gets you there. If I've never worked out before, mm -hmm. I could jump up and down. I could say whatever I want to myself. Mm -hmm. My max out is not a 500-pound squat because I don't have that identity yet. Mm -hmm. So the two are linked together. I don't think we're really disagreeing. I just want free. Yeah, I, I understand it. These are different things. I understand it's like... Um identity i believe it comes from a, a lot of experience you have in your life right so if let's say we're talking about uh, identity what is an experience you had in the past that shaped the identity that you have today because you didn't have the identity you have like now like 20 years ago yeah some of my identity has been shaped certainly by experience the number one thing that forms identity is your associations and so becoming friends with someone like Tony or some of the athletes or business people. So the power of association changes our identity more than anything. That's why we're so careful with our children, those of you that have kids, with who they hang around, right? Because mentors are important. Like their school teachers, their mentor. And that person shapes them and sculpts them and obviously has influence over them, right? It can change their life. But who do you really worry about affecting your children? Who they hang around? Who their friends are the highest form of influence is friends right who you hang around is who you're going to be so the number one thing that has transfixed my identity has been my association so that's just number one in terms of experiences my experiences that have shaped me probably more than anything was getting over my fear of public speaking which is what we're doing right now hmm. because it was it's most people's greatest fear other than death is public speaking and it was mine. So once I learned to do it and I had that breakthrough, it sort of just transformed. Like if I can overcome that, 
I'm the kind of guy who can overcome almost anything, right? And so the experience of getting on a stage and speaking in front of people and being terrible at first and getting better and better and better through my self-confidence, right? My preparation, my, I'm about to release an interview tomorrow that I did with UFC champion Dominic Cruz. And he's a four-time UFC uh, MMA champion. I said, where's your confidence come from? He said, from my preparation and my experience, kind of like what you just said. And that's true for me, too. The more I do something, the more I prepare, the more my confidence goes up, the more my identity has changed. So for me, it's probably public speaking. I think it's a lot of, uh, like, uh, like you said, the more you experience, like people sense it when you are truly real and you are outside of your head. Because let's say I had this as well. Like when I go do public speaking, I was terrified. Oh my God, what if I uh, forget this and this and this? And then you are so stuck in your head. And this is why I had uh, Sean Stevenson, you know, the, the guy, the three foot guy. Yes, in fact, I just connected with Sean. That's so amazing, brother. Mm-hmm. Sean and I connected today for the first time. Yeah, he's amazing, amazing, amazing. So I interview him and he told me, like, if you have this uh, fear of public speaking, it's because you're so inside of your head. So he said, like, one trick I use with people is... Uh, Whenever I do speaking, I just like, okay, I tell, me, I tell them, okay, you have uh, the fear of public speaking. So he get a lot of people uh, to, to him and he, he, tell, him, he tell them to, to tell him about uh, their problems. So one says, uh, my kid is a suicider and I have a drug issues. So every person come with a problem and then all of a sudden he get outside of his head and he understand that, okay, I just, <laughs> there are so many problems and those people need me. And once they, they understand it, they have no fear anymore. I totally agree with you. That's a wonderful example, by the way. Okay, I want to take you a little bit about uh, growing up. I, I know uh, that you grew up in an alcoholic family. Mm-hmm. So what was it like and how did you shift it? Well, it's interesting. It's funny. That you, it's, there's some very weird things going on with you and I. You just asked me about Sean Stevenson. I met him today. Mm-hmm. And if you probably heard that phone ringing in the background, I had to turn it off. That was my dad, who was, who was the alcoholic in my family. He literally asked about him after the phone ring. That's like mind-blowing. Yeah, man. What's going on here? <laughs> we're, we're vibrating at the same frequency, so to speak. So um, my dad, growing up, was an alcoholic. My dad's now my best friend. He's been sober now for 30 years. But I come from a very dysfunctional family. Like many people listening to this, all the other families seem perfect and mine was sort of flawed, right? Mine was the one with stress all the time. Sometimes dad was home, sometimes he didn't come home. Parents fighting all the time, me thinking my parents were going to divorce, you know, who would I live with? Just stress. And that affects your self-esteem when you're a kid, right? When you're just, you know, you're not in a real nurturing, perfect environment. So I think the way that I overcame that is I have this overriding belief, I know you do too, that life happens for me, not to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the great things about my dad's drinking was that my dad would leave. I'll tell you an interesting thing. When he would leave and he kind of knew maybe he was going to go on a little bit of a bend, he would tell me, I was the oldest boy, I have three younger sisters. And he would tell me, you're the man of the house when I'm gone. You take care of your mom and your sisters, right? And he'd look right at me with his very deep voice. He had the same voice I have. Big guy, right? Hockey player. And he'd say, you protect your mom and your sisters. Well, that's a lot to say to a seven-year-old, right? Or a nine-year-old. But what it did for me is it caused me to begin to think about protecting and serving other people even when I was young. In other words, it wasn't just about me. It caused me to grow up early. It caused me to think like a leader. Um, 
It caused me to, you know, view the world differently, it, uh, view the world from a standpoint of I was a man, not boy. And so the good part about that is I've always had, I have a lot of negatives, a lot of weaknesses, but one of my strengths is I've always taken responsibility for my own life, my own mistakes. When something goes wrong, I don't point fingers at other people because there was no one in my house to point the finger at. And so it served me, it formed my personality to some extent, right? It probably made me more shy and more insecure than I would have liked. But the upside of it was certainly that I, um, I just knew it was going to be on me. There was no one else there to protect my family sometimes. Other than, and by the way, I'm over-exaggerating that to an extent because my dad was still a great dad, right? He wasn't abusive. He didn't hit us. There was just this disease he was suffering from that caused him to be in and out of the house and not always present even when he was there. So that'd be my answer. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's uh, funny you mentioned that it's like no, nothing is life uh, as any meaning except the meaning we give it, right? So the meaning that you gave it when you were seven or nine years old was different. This is why it shaped a different destiny of your life. Because many people, when they have, let's say, what you experienced back then, will have different meaning like, oh my God, why me? Why do I need to take it on myself, right? So once you attach a better meaning to whatever events happen in your life, you can actually make a change in your life. And it's funny, I just uh, uh, talked with my mother like an hour ago and I, I tried to go deep with her and see like what's her primary question because she seems a little bit stuck in, in her life. And I discovered our primary question is, why does it always happen to us, to our family, this stuff? So I said to her, like, the more you ask yourself this kind of question, then eventually you will always try to get an answer. I tell people, think about your brain as a Google. Whatever you type on Google, you get answers, same as with your brain. If you want a different answer, type a different question. <laughs> so I could not agree with you more, man. You're, you really, really have this stuff dialed in. I totally, completely, 100% agree with you about that. And if, let's say, we could uh, take you 25 years uh, ago, like when you were about, uh, I don't know how old are you, you look really young, let's say you're in oh, your service. I look old, I'm 47. <laughs> okay, so if you could go back to your 20 or 25 years old self, yeah. what yeah. Would you, how would you mentor him? That's such a great question. I think about that a lot because I have a 16-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter, you know, so I'm constantly... But I ask about you, you know, because you know that how you were, like 20, 25. Well, I would, but I would tell my children the same thing that I told myself, and that would be, that I, I, I would go back and tell myself, hey, you're pretty damn good, man. You've got a ton of talent. You have a ton of ability. Take some risks. Believe in yourself, right? Like, I struggled with my confidence so badly in my 20s, right? I was so insecure, so shy. I would go back and tell myself, you got this, you know, you're, you're, you know, I really, I've been telling people this a lot lately. It's not that you don't want to get better because you do, but I'd go back to myself and I would tell myself, you have everything you need within you right now to win, right? I kept looking for more. Like if I learn this or I do that, then I'll be ready. And I go back and say, you're ready. I put a post out today. I, I listened to some of these guys on social media, these gurus, and they talked to millennials and they're like, Hey, you need to be patient. You need to be patient. You need to be patient. I'm like, what a load of bullshit to tell a young person to be patient. Like, that's just, you're only going to get out of life what you expect. You don't expect to win right now. If you're constantly going to have to wait to the future to win, you're never going to arrive there. 
Now, if you want to tell a young person like me at 25, hey, expect to win now, but be resilient if it doesn't happen, that's fine. Resiliency is powerful. You may not win right now. Be resilient. Be tough. But expect to win right now. If you're, you've got young people, stop telling young people to be patient. There's no reason why you can't win young. Plenty of people win young. I made a lot of money young in business. So stop programming young people with this belief that they can't win now. So what I would go back and say to me is expect to win right now. You have everything you need within you right now, man. God made you in his image and likeness. Go win right now. Have some balls. Have some confidence. Take some risks, right? That's what I would say to me if I could go back and mentor me. And I keep telling me that because I think you get out of life what you expect, what you demand, what you will tolerate, right? Everybody does. It's hard to accept the fact that we are probably getting out of our lives right now what we will tolerate. Malcolm X, the great civil rights leader, said, that which you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate. And so I think we get in our life what we will tolerate long term. And so I would go back to me and say, get it now, man. Expect it now. Go after it now. The future is BS. Okay, it's BS. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Expect it right now. And That's what I would tell me. I would tell any young person that. I, took, I really can relate a lot about what you're saying and especially the, the shy thing because one of my, why, why I know everything I know is because I was so obsessed about changing myself. It became from obsession about I want to change myself. I don't want to be that shy kid, the, the shy person, uh, the guy that never say his voice. So this is why I, I, I came to America to, okay, I want to, to dare. I want to try to do more. So I started in a Tony Robbins event. I was in Date with Destiny one year ago. And then I was caught up again in my habits again and again and again. And uh, I, I'm in a situation right now that I know a lot of information, but I, I do, uh, don't have enough of, uh, I need the, the real experience because I have some doubts in myself that if I, like, let's say I go and one-on-one -on -one person, I want to help them, but I still have that inner a little bit conflicts and doubts, like if I can't really get them. And when I don't have the, get them to break through, then I have less self-confidence. I, I, by the way, I don't think any human being on earth doesn't struggle with that on some level. I, 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 there's not that I don't struggle with that anymore. What I do is I have a recipe and a formula that sort of gets me out of that. But it's natural for human beings to doubt themselves, right? That's why if you, no matter what your religion is, I don't care if you're Muslim, Christian, Jew, Hindu, it doesn't matter in the context of this conversation. But faith is there. We struggle with our faith because... Life is riddled with doubt about everything in our lives, right? And so in many times, our happiness level, our peace level, our productivity level is directly correlated to our ability to overcome doubt, right? So you're not weaker, brother, because you have that, neither any of your listeners. The key thing is how do you overcome that state? And you just gave the formula, by the way, earlier. Mm -hmm. The formula is to change our identity, to work on our self-confidence mm -hmm. and the triad. Those are the weapons we have against doubt. My weapons against doubt are my faith, my self-confidence, my identity, and my triad. Those are my weapons that I use against doubt when it enters my life. And so just accept the fact you're going to have that. Listen, I'm sitting at an oceanfront house in Laguna Beach. It's, you know, it's actually for sale right now for $25 million, right? It's one of four homes I have. It's my second favorite of my homes. I've got, a, I've got all the material things you'd probably 
possibly want in your life. I've got a private jet with three engines, right? I've got Ferraris and Bentleys and whatever material thing you think you would want in your life that you think would make you happy, I've probably accumulated, right? I've got a lot of money in the bank. People want to hear what I have to say. And guess what? I still have days I doubt myself. Hmm. I still have days of whether can I get to the next level, right? I still have fears. I still have worries. And I want them because it's the juice of life. If I don't have those states, right, if everything was just up all the time, it's the contrast of life that make us happy. It's overcoming those doubts. It's overcoming our fears that, that grow us, that we our soul yearns to grow, right? That's why we're sown in in our lives with some doubt and also some real convictions in our heart. That's why we're given dreams. We're given big dreams in our heart. They're not some joke that God's played on us. Dreams aren't something we can't achieve or some trick we're playing on ourselves. Dreams are a glimpse at your destiny. They're a picture of what your future could look like if you have faith, if you work on your confidence, if you work on your triad, if you work on your ability to overcoming these things, if you work on your identity. And so that's the game. Those, those doubts are supposed to creep in, man. There's nothing wrong with them. I think most of us, just like we have any areas that we really want to change, but we are so addicted to our past. It's like, I, I give a great example for this. If I'm driving in my car and all I do is just looking at my back mirror while I'm driving, then eventually I'm going to crash, right? So yes. what, what, most of us, this is what we do. If let's, for example, I'm really not good at my finance, it's because I always look about my past experience and all the, the, the bad stuff that happened. And that's why I always sabotage myself. So I do believe we, we want to look at what we really want, but at the same time, you, you got to win. You got to have like your small little wins in order to always have a momentum, right? You just nailed the word. Can I just jump in on that? I was just going to use the word. Like we're in sync here, man. Momentum is such a force in our lives for good or bad. Momentum can make someone pretty average look incredible. I'm telling you, right? The Eagles just won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. They beat the greatest football player in the history of the sport in Tom Brady this last Sunday. And the reason I believe they did that is their, their quarterback, who was a backup, and their team just got momentum. Momentum can take average people and make them extraordinary. And so you've got to look for that momentum. And the way you get it is exactly what you just said, brother. It's doing small things, getting small wins, right? Setting yourself up with small victories starts to snowball, starts to give you momentum. And you start getting this energy, this force that's a magnifier that can take you from average to extraordinary. So you constantly in your life need to be seeking momentum, okay? And you do it exactly the way you said. Small wins lead to big ones because momentum can go the other way. We've all felt it the other way, where we get a loss, then we get another loss, and things feel like they're slipping. We lose our rhythm. We're not in focus, right? We just you can't get our grip on things. And so momentum is this hidden, invisible force that, frankly, is probably the biggest differentiator in life between winning and losing is momentum and keeping it and harnessing it. And I have some videos out on that. If people go to my Instagram or my, my uh, audios on iTunes, I teach how to harness momentum. And so it's part of the things I teach that they can go listen to. Do you believe we all need uh, uh, somebody to mentor us, but physically, not just like, uh, for example, online? Because uh, when we have somebody is real, that with us, that we know will always make us accountable, we don't want to disappoint him. So we'll always get into a good momentum, right? Yep. Okay. So let me answer you on that. My answer, it's an interesting answer. I think you'll be surprised. Okay. Do I think you need it? Need? No. What I mean by that is this. Let me, let me finish the thought. 
I don't want people to think in, in the, if they lack one, they can't win anyway. Because I have met people that have had plenty of victories in their life and didn't meet their mentor until after several victories. Having said that, the key in my life has been mentors. At every stage of my life, I've sought out somebody to be accountable to, somebody to stretch me, somebody to associate with who lives life at a higher identity that sort of cooks me up a little bit. And so I'm a gigantic believer in momentum and I'm a gigantic believer in mentors and their influence on us in our lives. My, one of my great recommendations to anybody trying to go to the next level in their life is to seek somebody out who you can be accountable to, who you can learn from, who will coach you, tell you the truth as you said, be real with you, love you and believe in you. The biggest thing you got to get from a mentor, they got to believe in you. They got to see greatness in you. They've got to see your giftedness, your God in you, your Christ in you, your whatever in you. They got to see your gifts. That's what great mentors do. So do you need it? Like if you don't have someone in your life right now, because here's why I say this, brother. Because then people go, oh, that's why I, I'm not going to win right now. I don't have a mentor. No, you don't get off that easy. Because mm -hmm. you can win without one, mm -hmm. but you'll win better and bigger when you get one. But don't, but don't ever believe, well, I don't have anybody coaching me or helping me right now, so there's no way I can win. Absolutely bullshit. That's mm -hmm. not true. You could go win, but it's better if you had one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Because sometimes in your life, all you have is uh, maybe some book, uh, audio book, or, and just yourself. So uh, no matter what, uh, it's not like uh, Tony said, it's, like the, it's not the event that shapes your life. It's the decisions that you make. The decision to make the phone call, the decision to wake up, the decision to go to the gym, the decision to do or not do something. So all those little small decisions shape our life. And all of a sudden, after 20 years, most people are like, oh my God, why my life is like that? It's because of all the small decisions. So all these little decisions shape our life. And once we are aware of it, really aware of it, go consciously, not like into automatic pilot like most people do, then we can actually create a change because... Uh, people that listen to this, okay, you can listen and then go and do your habits again. And it's in everything in life. It's your habits of emotions, where you live inside. If you always live in resentment, sadness, fear, then no matter what you have, you will always find a way to feel sad. So if you want to change your life, this is just changing in decisions, moment by moment decisions. Okay, so... Uh, where can we find you? Because I know we are almost done with the time. So. By the way, I wish we had more time because <laughs> I, I want to say one thing to you. You're going to be a, you're, you're an amazing mentor for people because your your content is spot on. I just want to acknowledge that. By the way, I, I really like you. Thank uh, you, you very much. Me, you can find me at edmylet.com, m-y-l-e-t-t.com, edmylet.com, and probably best after that would be um, Instagram or my YouTube channel. I have tons and tons of free content and. Um, like I told you earlier, I, I think I'm the fastest growing person in the history of social media. And the reason that it's grown, in my opinion, is the quality of the content. Mm -hmm. And so when I engage with my audience, I post things daily. I react to your comments. I respond to most messages that I get because I, I care about people. I want people to win. I want this world to be a better place. And I'd like to be a little tiny piece of force for good in the world, man. Someone like you. And, uh, and others in this space inspire me to keep getting better. So I really enjoyed today very much, my friend. Thank you very much. And I, I really believe that you are truly fulfilled in your life because you are serving at the highest purpose, which is you always try to grow and contribute, right? 
that's you know Tony talks about those six needs mm-hmm. and uh, in my life you know I've, I've been blessed enough to have an awful lot of significance and recognition and I have plenty of love and people around me a lot of variety a lot of certainty my two driving forces in my life are contribution and growth I want to contribute to people I want to give to people that's what fulfills me that never I always say people matter things don't you know Ferraris and jets don't fulfill you they're great they're better than walking they're better than you know flying commercial but they don't fulfill you right fulfillment is always in the service of other people and then growth is just part of life I just want to keep growing and so meeting guys like you pushes me grows me challenges me and so you nailed it those are the two things that move me and it's always by the way those of you who are listening to this those are always things that will never, ever, ever get tired for you is contributing to people and growing in your life. Yes, totally agree. There is nothing better than this because it, it's actually getting to your heart. It's not just in your head, right? It's like you really feel it and there's no such a better enjoyment than to know that uh, whatever that you're doing uh, actually help other people uh, have a better quality of life. Uh, I absolutely agree, brother, and I think that's what you're doing here with your program and the other things you're doing, so God bless you. Thank you very much, man. So last question I have for you is, what is your legacy? What's Ed Milet's legacy? I, um, you know what? I don't need to be remembered other than by my family. I'd like my great-grandchildren to know I lived and that my wife and I changed our family tree forever. You know, we're no longer an average family. You know, I'd love that, but... My legacy in my life will be my children and the lives that they lead. That's the most important part of my life is my family. But I would like to think that at the end of my life, man, I have this obsession. And it's, it's crazy, but I'll just share it with you. I think at the end of your life, no matter what your faith is, is that at some point you get introduced to the person you could have been, that you were born to be, that you're destined to be. I think that there's this ultimate version of you sitting out there in the future, and it's the person God made you in his image and likeness to be like, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want my legacy to be that I became that man so that at the end of my life, when I meet him, the best version of me, the one I was destined to be, I feel like I've known him forever and we're identical twins. For me, a horrific end of life and a losing life would be at the end of my life, I meet that person and we're total strangers. And so I'm telling you, it's my true north. Daily, I'm chasing that dude. I'm chasing the guy I was born to be. So every day, I always talk about maxing out. I try to max out everything, even this 35 minutes with you. Max it out because every time I max something out, I get addicted. It's an emergency, a crisis to get better, to grow, to evolve, gets me closer to that guy. And if you stack up enough days, enough weeks, enough months, enough years, enough experiences, right? At the end of your life, I'm hoping I meet that guy and I go, wow, I know you real well, brother. I'm chasing that dude. So my legacy, I hope, is that I become that man I was capable of becoming. That's what I want my legacy to be. Hey, man, brother, thank you very much. It was uh, one hell of a speech and really got into me. I have a goosebump. God bless you, my brother. You take care. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST factor. The FAST factor stands for 1. Facebook 
Become a part of the MindBody podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook, the MindBody podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. Three, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the MindBody podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory and kinesthetic. Which, when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.